We spent the whole flight to DC debating how to make contact. If we wanted personnel files, then we need to get into Colonel Darnell's office. And since we weren't majors or secretaries, that'd be almost impossible. And there wasn't exactly a Wonder Woman signal that we could light up. Fortunately, we had the next best thing. A group that was always stirring up trouble. A group we could tail and inevitably find Wonder Woman crushing them. Goddamn Nazis. Hi, my name is John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. Oh boy, we got a special one today. We're, we're doing Wonder Woman. Uh, we got a lot of summary here, but we're also going to talk movie. Mm -hmm. So so we have both special and special. Special and topical, as well as a spoiler alert. I'm going to get that out of the way right now. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about the movie in its entirety. If you haven't watched the movie yet, um, when the comic summary ends, you'll just want to turn it off. Yeah, you, you might just want to run for the hills, to be honest. Because we're going to talk about Actually, no. Don't run to the hills. Run to your movie theater. And see Spoiler the movie. warning, the movie's really good. Yes, see the movie. Please see the movie. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but enough about that. Let's talk about Molten Marsden's uh, ridiculousness that is this. Enough about awesome. Let's talk about feudal slavery kink. Yeah. Yeah, go to the Instagram if you want to see some weird shit. So, Joanne's going to be happy. This is going to be a pretty much a, a quick one here. Matt's looking at my notes here, and the summary is pretty... <laughs> I mean, we're doing books at a time now, so yeah. we're trying to, like, fast forward here for y'all. Um, anyway, this Wonder Woman Chronicles volume, volume 3, has Sensation Comics number 15 to 18, Wonder Woman number 4 to 5, and Comics Cavalcade number 2 in it. And that's all between 1942 and 1943. Primarily in 1943, but Wonder Woman number four was in 1942, for some reason or another. Mm -hmm. Notable things that happen. We meet Etta Candy's father. His name is Hard. Hard yeah. Candy. Yeah. Her brother is Mint Candy. Her name is Etta Candy. None of, nothing we ever read ever is going to be as funny as that is to me. Like, ever. That's amazing. That's, like, my favorite thing Marsden ever did was the was the Candy family. I can't get over that. It's Candy Ranch. It's... I can't. It's so fun. I love it. It's the best thing in the world, and it's completely serious. Like, there's no joke. They're like, no, his name's Hard. And I was like, who name... What? Like, no one's gonna no, be like, no, Hard? No, it's not that there's no joke. It's just, it's like uh, the people who did Pirates of Penzance. Yeah. Uh, what, what's, Gilbert and Sullivan. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is, don't play it up for laughs, just let the dialogue yeah, just, and the songs just like, keep going. be the, the laughter. Yeah. Or be the funny thing. Oh my god, it's amazing. It's my favorite thing he's done. Right, I love right, it. It's it's right. so it's so stupid. Like, yes. let's, let's put it this way. Gardner Fox wishes he was that funny. So does So does Bill Finger. With their shitty, weird humor. And yeah, like, you're right. That's exactly the kind of thing that they would want to do. It's it's Monty Python subtle. It's so funny. I love it. Um, also, there's... Uh... Okay, this is, this is a problem. So, Etta gets engaged to a man who is trying to marry her for her family's money. That's shitty. However, there is also a story of... Italian men dressed like Mexicans and they're apparently supposed to be passing. Now, yeah. here's the thing. Spaghetti Westerns were real. Spaghetti Westerns convincingly passed dark-skinned Italians as Mexicans. However, the <laughs> the audio tracks did not help because they were totally 
uh, VO'd over and they were clearly speaking either Italian or pretending to speak Spanish and they dubbed English accented Spanish over them in spaghetti westerns. This is a thing. And some Italians do look Spanish. Yeah. And some and some Mexicans do look I mean there's a whole range yeah. of of skin tones it's, in Mexico. It's, it's Mediterranean tan mm-hmm. because they came from Spain. Spain was in that sort of equatorial region of as Italy, their coastal cities, lots of sun, lots of tan people. However, not every Italian is that dark. Because northern Italians aren't because that gets near the Swiss Alps. Yep. And you get light-skinned people. That's just a thing. So every single one of these quote-unquote Italians who are also Mexican are like really dark. Yeah. Not like uh, distinctly uh, Quechua. I think Quechua were the natives in uh, Peru. Yeah. Oh, one way or another, that skin tone. They they look Central American. They do mm-hmm. not look... As an Italian man, I've never seen an Italian that dark. Just going to say. Unless they're really working at it and they're, and they're tanning. Mm-hmm. They got to have makeup on them. That was a weird thing. Italians yeah. and Mexicans are not the same thing. You cannot do that. That is racist. Yeah. This is also the same volume that just has... Pardon my uh, not French. Uh, just... People calling uh, Japanese folks Japs left and right. Japs and nips and there all sorts is, of jazz. This is not... Marston does not have a politically correct bone on, in his body. He does not mind dehumanizing the other. Yeah, that's it's very true. Uh, there's also a big-ass kite in one of these. Oh, just, yeah. just a big fucking kite that Wonder Woman flies on. That's kind of neat. Uh, in Wonder Woman number four, it's all Baroness all the time. Remember Paul, uh, Paula von Gunther? Paula's back, and she's raring to go. She's a redhead now. She's not a blonde. I didn't uh, catch that difference. Yes. Yeah. She's, remember at the end when she like got all burned and shit? Like, apparently they yeah. fucked with her face, but I guess that also <laughs> means her hair color changes. So, what do you know? And uh, Paula von Gunther is now like the resident scientist on Reform Island for the Amazons, and it's her turn to finally take the trials to become a full-fledged Amazon. So, all four stories in Wonder Woman number four revolve around Wonder Woman and the Baroness. Essentially... Becoming best gal pals and stopping Nazis and Paola becoming a full fledged Amazon. And I do kind of like the that there is a thema- an ongoing story within each of the issue of the stories. It's fun. I mean, it, like you like you talked about when we when we first had Paola becoming a good guy. You know, Hitler doesn't get a face turn, but she sure as shit works for it in these. Um, she even uses her Nazi knowledge to help wonder woman to try and like play double agent against the nazis at one point so she's working for it she's actually yeah. reformed it, at this it's point it's an earned face turn it's not um it's not merlin and arrow or luthor like having to work with superman at one point and, like you know and then going back to being luthor it's i straight up i'm a good guy now you know it's vegeta from da- dragon ball z you know i once was bad but now i'm good and that's it's cool i like it uh there's a zoo not a circus there's, a zoo. And there isn't a sport issue either. There's no is sports there? issue. I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm okay with the fact that I'm now jonesing for sports and circuses. But uh, apparently I'm very Roman today. Uh, <laughs> zoo with a talking lion that is a spy method by Egyptians. It's a lot of super weird ethno-racism there. Specifically by uh, Hindi folks in Egypt. Yeah, Princess Yasmina. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh or Yasmini. That's that's right. I love yeah. it. I love I love how racist that is. It's so bad. There's a lot of like crossing of like you know the women dressed like Jasmine from Aladdin and mm-hmm. also some weird sort of turban things going on. I'm like that's not a thing in Egypt, is it? 
turban like Sikh Indians in Egypt? Well, I mean the the thing that that I'm not sure whether Marston understands. Like this is entirely up in the air, but it sounds like it's just people from India in or people from India in Egypt. For yeah. whatever reason, like there's this Hindu princess who hates the British who goes to Egypt and just bases out of there. Yeah. And I honestly don't know whether or not Marston thinks that there is a large Hindu population in, in Egypt. Egypt, or if it's just like, no, they're both part of the British Empire at this point, and of course there'd be people going back and forth between the two. Yeah. I don't know. Like, they say, there is a Princess Yasmini in Cairo, and then you've got to look at some of these pictures. They're very cl- clearly yeah. Hindu ethnic clothing. The men's beards are very um, Sikh. The mm-hmm. woman's got the dot on her forehead. It's mm-hmm. it's very clearly... Oh, and that like that specific type of architecture. That oh, one, yeah. I didn't even notice that is, one. Is very yeah. Indian in nature. Mm-hmm. Regardless. Uh, wrong cultures, Marsden. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. It could very well be that this is someone who just picked up stakes and moved over to Egypt. Right. But I don't know, and I don't trust Marston far enough to believe him that right. he understood it's, that. It's the Gardner Fox principle. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is a culture, right? And then you're like, not yeah, yeah but not there. Um, also, There's vague, vague squigglies that look kind of Asiatic. Right, exactly. Uh, also, with regards to uh, the language. The writing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's also a moment where Diana thinks that Colonel Darnell is also kind of falling for her. And that was yeah. a weird, it, like, and and that, compl- never, that is completely dropped. That's picked up and dropped like a, like a bad habit. Wonder, there's a Wonder Woman imposter, a Nazi spy, pretends to be Wonder Woman for a while to kind of see if she can draw Wonder Woman out. And ends about as well as you can expect for her. Uh, Incans. And a yeah. lost city of Incans, for some reason, like, Wonder Woman fights a bunch of, you know, displaced time Incans, and fights a, a sun priest. It's pretty ham-fisted. Yeah. Uh, the first appearance of Dr. Psycho. Dr. Psycho is a very minor C-list villain in the DC Universe that shows up he every recurs? now and then. Oh, yeah, he's a thing. I didn't know that. He's part of the, uh, like, the Legion of Doom and stuff like that. He shows up, like, there's a picture of him in Black Adam like going at it because Black Adam's like <laughs> hold, like holding him by his throat like trying to say like are you trying to influence my mind and Dr. Psycho's like it's what I do sorry like he, he shows up in the original uh, Secret Six volume with uh, Gail Simone he's one of the guys trying to recruit people I think for like the Suicide Squad reject like bad guy villain group mm-hmm. and then the Secret Six form and the Secret Six of people who reject uh, Dr. Psycho and whoever else are on the recruitment mission I think it's like yeah, I don't know. It's weird. If I'm remembering correctly, which I think I am. Uh, he's also in the DC uh, Universe online game as one of the bad guys you fight in the Wonder Woman storyline. Nice. So he's, he's there. Hmm. Um, but he's a guy who just hates women. And he hates women because he got made fun of when he was younger and doesn't like how people treated him because he's... And I, I don't think he's handicapped so much as he's just, like, physically not developed. He's a, he's a short man with a really big head. Mm-hmm. Think Billy from uh, Venture Brothers. Bottom line, he's not normal in the sense of body terms where he is drawn disproportionate to the rest of the people in the comic. He's very clearly different. Like, it's just a thing. Like it's mm-hmm. and, for, and his experience is of not that good. is negative. Is not, yeah, it's not good. Um, I don't know what you say, phys- physio-normative? I uh, haven't heard bio, that term before, but yeah, that, that uh, physionormative, if nothing else, it's an understandable term. Yeah, like he's yeah. just he's just not physionormative or bionormative or whatever you want to call it. Probably um, physio. Yeah, but 
he's got problems and he's a very smart man it seems like he had a, a girlfriend and was smart and respected he got awards and stuff so by and large not someone hindered by his um situation except he was made fun of and he thought his girlfriend was going to leave him for a stronger dude who's big and tall and, and muscular and he gets all pissed off and he learns how to channel ectoplasm through mediums i'm i don't know how any of that's possible but that's what he does he, he uses mental powers to manipulate a person usually a woman who he is convinced uh convinced or forced into being a medium for him so that he could then manifest ectoplasm into physical traits so he can like change how he looks or also like make things occur or change how things look it's and i actually like that setup of power like it's, cool. it's not just him controlling it's someone else that he's using as a channel it's, it's like fuck yeah it's the most super villainy thing we've seen next to the mm -hmm. irradiated man from the last superman episode we did and it really does emphasize that theme of him having uh indoctrinated uh misogyny mm -hmm. because he is actively using a woman for her powers right so it's it works on a lot of levels mm -hmm. uh there's more mars mishaps that was a good alliteration <laughs> for you i wrote that down so i wouldn't forget it um Mars on Mars is pissed off that Wonder Woman and women are doing a lot for the war effort and so he tasks some people to do some shit and that's how Dr. Psycho gets involved because he's one of Decept the Duke of Deception's minions and then there's a whole thing with the Duke of Deception being punished and being put in, in the women's jail because he refuses to work again for Mars because he's like Wonder Woman's gonna kick your ass and he's like fuck you buddy don't say that shit and then puts him in the jail with the women and the Duke of Deception tries to raise a revolt and get Wonder Woman there and it's a whole Benny Hill asks stupid like mistake whose revolt really is this kind of a thing and then they get convinced to go to the moon where the where the goddess Diana is drugged by Mars it's it's not good it's not good. It's not a good story. It's just more of that Mars stuff that we didn't need because planets with gods on them is dumb. It's just dumb. However, there are sky kangas. That's the best thing to come out of that it. That was cool. That was cool. Is the space kangaroos that could jump between planets, which I thought was neat. Uh, and you know what? More explanation on how this how the kangaroo was more was able to do that than Gardner Fox ever put into his Venusian egg thing. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. they have really big lungs. However, we need these gas masks to breathe in space. Holy shit! <laughs> someone acknowledged that space was a vacuum well i think it was less vacuum and more breathable not quite but maybe uh because they talk about like the ether of space like it didn't feel like marson had a clear sense of what space actually was however he did get the core of not a hospitable environment right, right. like he didn't <laughs> have any of the people like jumping between planets wearing you know like warming equipment or space suits or dr fate or the specter eh. just doing shit eh. uh but those are forgivable because they're magic yeah regardless dr psycho shows up in another episode after he's been arrested and fakes his own oh, death i wondered if that was gonna happen shows up in another episode ah i fucked it up drinks are on me <laughs> uh he shows up fakes his own death wonder woman uncovers this he also pretends to be george washington a lot that yeah. was weird so there's a lot of weird inadvertent george washington misogyny going on there that i didn't feel comfortable with yeah well uh, that's the question is how accurate it would have been yeah well you never know and i need to listen to hamilton now right and uh, also diana is now apparently immune to electricity because her soul was removed by dr <laughs> yeah. psycho at one point and then she starts blocking electric bolts with her bracelets and she's like don't i don't worry. even feel shit now and i'm like wow okay i guess you're insulated because your soul got separated <laughs> don't worry it'll be retcon next issue yeah right 
So uh, there you go. Hooray. That's 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 all of the comic we cover. And we're probably going to do just your notes and then we're going to dive into the movie. Unless you have no notes on these comics and you just want to go right into the movie, which I'm totally down with. Uh, I do have notes and I, I have to. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. But yeah, like mostly just one chunky note. Uh, first off, I'm going to call these the fever dreams of young Diana because yeah. that's the only way I can reconcile yeah. the two versions of this character that we're going to talk about today. Seriously. Yeah. Like, I now really understand what you meant when you were talking about how Jay Garrick being the jokester felt wrong because it was so utterly not the character mm -hmm. that you knew of. Like, at least with Superman, like, it was so, like, I, I, somehow I had, I had an idea going into all of this that he was going to be socialist. So it's like, oh, authoritarian socialist. Gotcha. It, right. it, it felt like, okay, I, it was still weird and deeply uncomfortable and I'm still not comfortable with it. But this, more than any other thing that we've seen, just I can't even reconcile these two versions of Diana. Well, now you know how Shannon feels. Yeah. She's saying, this no. is not my Wonder Woman. Exactly correct. Yeah, and I I think the reason it didn't click initially was I just haven't spent enough time around Diana. The other thing, and this is something I think I'll talk about in, or something that I think is going to be clear to anyone who's watched the movie, I don't think that I, I can't imagine Diana as Lily White anymore. Like, there's no question, Gal, Gal Gadot is certainly white, but at least tanned. And... Mm. I, I don't know, like, for whatever reason, that, from, from now on, like, I think my mental image of uh, Wonder Woman is always going to be at least a little bit uh, tan, olive-skinned, olive at, at the very least. Uh, and I flash back to, like, early 2000s, uh, when I was reading Justice League stuff, uh, certainly Lily White. Uh, and also just not as interesting of a character, by and large. Uh, from, didn't resonate with me enough. And that might just be because, hey, Justice League, you're not getting full screen time. Uh, but now I really want to go and read uh, various New 52 and other recent Wonder Woman stuff because, holy crap, the movie's good. And this is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to that bit, I want to talk about her being what I'm thinking of as a lackadaisical feudalist kinkster. <laughs> And that, That's a fun term. I know, I know. I was rather happy when I wrote it down. Uh, because it freaks me the fuck out. It freaks me the fuck out that there's this intersection of feudalism and kink in these comics. So, the ideal of the Amazonian society, or rather, the ideal society that the Amazons portray and Marston portrays uh, as the ideal, is the submission of the lesser to their betters. And in so doing, the lesser is able to learn from the better's example and is liberated from tasks beyond their ability. And the submission is in some cases compulsory. What we saw in here was a story where Diana got in trouble because she gave people the choice to leave their... I think it's actually referred to as uh, slavery on uh, Reform Island, which, by the way, wow, does that sound like a gulag. Uh, because it is physically separated from Themyscira proper, mm -hmm. uh, and it is Reform Island, and yes, Diana, at one point when Paula is transitioning out of Reform Island and taking her tests to be one of the Amazons, the other former prisoners who stayed with Paula, 
uh, were given, hey, Diana says, you guys have the option. Do you guys want to go with and learn to be Amazons as well and take the tests? Or do you want to go free? And it is a mistake for Diana to have offered that because one person takes her up on the offer and secretly hides herself away and commits sabotage against the Amazons. Right. Specifically uh, uh, the Baroness, purely because she's trying to get back at her. Not so much mm -hmm. the Amazons, it's more so the Baroness. True. But Diana herself, uh, or rather, uh, I guess Aphrodite, uh, specifically says, yeah. this, you fucked up. So there's that idea of submission for your own betterment. Uh, there are two other sort of circumstances that are a little... Uh, Variants, I suppose, like multi-classing or prestige classes of this. Mm. Uh, when the sub is a villain, it's about them being dominated and compelled to reform for their own good. The sub is remade in the image of the mistress. If the sub is another Amazon or other equal, then it's more like traditional kink play, but with a clear reinforcement of social status. Who's in power and who is being made to serve. Uh, like, specifically... Diana's day right uh hey the person who is the best amazon uh gets to make slaves out of the other amazons for a little while right uh, or the kink is just there for marston to get his rocks off right and who oh boy i have strong feelings about having the story and the character serve the author's fantasy rather than the other way around uh, I honestly think it really reduces the agency of the character to just a vehicle for what the author wants. Uh, and even setting aside like the sexual aspect of it, uh, just if you make your character do something because it's what you want to happen instead of this is a consistent world and this is something the character would do, I think you're doing a disservice to that character. But... More broadly, getting back to the whole kink feudalism thing, in this and all other, in all of these instances, all these variants of the kink feudalism uh, intersection, the kink is acted out with slavery and humiliation metaphors, and that's a problem for me. I think you can use a lot of stuff as uh, fodder for porn and erotica, but this specifically crosses a line for me because this isn't erotica, or at least it's not just erotica. For one thing, it's aimed at kids, which is a little weird. Uh, but even aside from that, like whatever happens in erotica, it comes with a wink and a nod. There's an implicit reminder that it's just for jollies. So you can put some stuff that's problematic in there because even if it's problematic, it's, you know, okay, this is something that is just a fantasy. You can get away with more at least. But this, I talked about not having faith in, not trusting Marston. I don't trust him when he, if he says that, oh no, all, all that stuff is really just uh, for the funsies. I don't trust him on that. I don't, nothing to me says that he's not actually portraying enslavement as a good thing. Everything I see in here is like, no, everyone should know their place in society and maybe they advance in society, but the way to do that is to submit your will to your betters. And you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And I feel bad about it. Uh, what is it? Uh, work to make free? Yeah, Vermont free, I believe, right? Yeah. Yep. Work makes free. I, there are so many directions that, uh, so many ways that the elitist idea that people should know their place and maybe improve, but 
always obey both the ideas and the orders of their betters. I know there are so many ways that that can go wrong. And I have a huge elitist bent in my head that I consciously need to be aware of so that it doesn't take me down directions like this. And I don't think Marston listened to the voice in his head that said, you know, maybe not slavery. So, I, yeah. Uh, and the thing that kills me is that Diana is the character who is the mouthpiece or at least the, the focal point of this idea of slavery as freedom because that's so an anathema to Diana. She is the protector and the beacon of equality. And no, no, no this isn't this isn't Diana. I need I need you now to read the Jill Lepore book. I do. I yeah. need to read that. You need to like... I need to read that to be to know whether I was just talking out my ass no, for I'm five gonna, minutes or I'm gonna give I'm gonna give that to you because I still haven't finished it and my focus really is on the summaries right now. Mm-hmm. And you'll probably burn through it a yeah. lot quicker than I will, but you need to read it because you're like not half wrong. It's so fascinating, but it also it's so like cringy in certain parts. You're just like, mm, no sir. No sir at all. So there's just get that book. Get that book, read it, and then like you'll understand a lot about Wonder Woman, and you'll be so happy that Wonder Woman is in the state that she is currently in. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, spoiler warning, we're going to the movie now. Yes! So, few things for DC Comics fans or fans of the movie that want to th- want to know if there were any sort of Easter eggy type things in the movie. I'm going to hit you with a couple things here that are kind of subtle, but are kind of going to be drop-ins, I hope, later. Wonder Woman is referred to as the God Killer. Darkseid is the god of apocalypse. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Nice. So Wonder Woman, in my mind, is going to be the one, if there is going to be anybody, to kill kill Darkseid. She has to be the team lead for that. Or or at least the team face. One of of them, you're going to have the Trinity at that point, I'm sure. When you have... God, you're right. They're going to bring back Superman. Yeah, of course they are. You can't have the Justice League without Superman. Henry Cavill hasn't done his third movie. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Like, he's got to do three movies of Superman, and then he's got to do, like, three Justice League films. If he doesn't, if there isn't some teaser of him coming back in the Justice League movie, I will be disappointed. You have to have Superman in the Justice League. You can't, like, I don't care how good Jason Momoa is as Aquaman, and I love Aquaman, mm -hmm. he's not going to replace Superman. Yeah. To clarify, so I've seen the trailer uh, for the Justice League. Uh, wasn't that Apocalypse? Wasn't that an Apocalyptic Invasion? Yes, there were parademons, and they hinted that in Batman vs. Superman. Please stop doing that, Batman vs. Superman. There's so much about you that's wrong. Um, <laughs> but, yes, there are parademons, at least there's similar parademons, mm-hmm. because there's a whole sequence in Batman vs. Superman where Batman's having like a fever dream, and yeah. he sees like the planet march with the, the uh, Omega symbol that Darkseid usually uses, oh, yeah. and there's a bunch of parademons. They're, it's parademons. It's it's gonna be a dark side thing, I guarantee. Because there's also a Lex Luthor thing at the end where he's like, "It wasn't all just me. I was preparing you. I was trying to defend us from him." Okay, so I assume that Justice League is itself going to be the confrontation. Yeah, and if I that know. was a build up from BVS, then yeah, Superman's Plus, gonna come back. But you have to have Superman fight him because yeah. honestly, that's what Superman does. Yeah. Superman fights those things. Yeah, that's just what he does. Diana better be the one to finish it, though. I I hope. I'm sure she'll probably be the one to kill him because Superman's probably gonna have some qualms about killing somebody, or she'll stab him with a sword. Um, love, love is a huge theme in the Wonder Woman movie. She continually says the word love. Guess mm-hmm. who becomes a star sapphire during the War of the Light? Wonder oh. Woman. Huh. 
which is the she's I think the only Justice League member who becomes a Star Sapphire. One because you can only be a woman as a Star Sapphire, and two, um, she's so full of love. And they explain mm. that it is not love for Steve Trevor or love for anyone in particular. It is her love for humanity that makes her a mm. Star Sapphire. So that's a cool little throwaway. Um, of a thematic thing that they constantly bring into Wonder Woman. And I like the way that in the movie they explain that love. It is, it's mercy, it's protection, it's, it's all of that. It's not just, it, it's not something nebulous. It's not Matt Cross singing. Yeah, she, she loves humanity. She loves people. She loves the world. She mm -hmm. wants everyone to be happy. Yep. She loves and it's not blind love either. And it's, I love that that's the story arc. It's, Anyways. <laughs> it's the love a god would have. Yeah. So it's, those were cool things for y'all. Also, uh, now that the Greek pantheon exists, guess whose trident is probably going to be a major focus of the Aquaman movie? Huh. Yeah, all right. So I imagine there will be some Poseidon imagery in Aquaman because mm -hmm. they do refer to the trident occasionally as the trident of Poseidon. Um, or the dent or whatever the fuck it is because it's got five yeah, points yeah. so whatever quintent i don't know bottom line big fork face people yeah it's just it's gonna be a thing yeah so there was a lot of there's a lot going on in that movie if you weren't up on comics lore that you missed that was cool wanted to show that to you and give you that knowledge so you can look for that in the next upcoming films dr poison uh at a candy, mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of nice little, a lot, of, a lot of good nods, a lot of, a lot of really solid. Okay, we're good. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe L. Collins was talking about possibly wanting the Baroness to be in the next Wonder Woman movie. I think it's going to be Cheetah. I think the next Wonder Woman movie is going to be contemporary, and I think it's going to be the Cheetah. So that's actually the question: is like I, I'm genuinely curious to know what the next story is going to be. But I suspect you're right that they'll do a Captain America where the next one is present day. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be the repercussions after Justice League, I imagine. Yeah, and I, and I I would like it to be with Cheetah because Cheetah is one of the few villains that can go toe to toe with Wonder Woman, and I just would like Wonder Woman to have a comparable villain for her that isn't mm -hmm. some space monster that she just rips apart, or a not or no not not Nazis, but like you know a uh, Kaiser soldier. Mm -hmm. So I would like I would like Cheetah. Um, or Cersei would be fun. Um, anything magic, really. Just, just, just yeah. have her fight magic things. I don't care because as long as you, as long as you have the magic thing, actually have um, scary power over Superman to show that this is a threat only Wonder Woman can deal with because Superman has no effect on magic. You mm -hmm. even give her even more power, and you yeah, show that Wonder I would Woman be super down for that. Wonder Woman owns the magic sphere because Superman is fucking useless against magic because that's a thing everyone freaking forgets, and I hope they write that in to the Shazam movie. That Superman can't deal with Black Adam, they need Shazam. Mm -hmm. So they also They're, then they humanize Superman by making him not great at everything. Mm. I think that would be more important for a Diana movie than Shazam, just because you need to... Like, I feel it's important for Diana to be toe-to-toe, -to -toe, yeah. or at least... At most, like a half step back. They'll, they'll do Shazam, it. I can, I can get, I can live with him. They'll, being a they'll do it. They'll do it in the Wonder Woman movie, but it'll be a point they bring up in the Shazam movie. Like he'll be like, "You have to deal with this. I yeah. can't." Okay. And, and yeah, they'll be like, that, oh, "As yeah. long as that's been like, that ground has been set." Yeah. They'll. It's one of those things that I just hope they do that they, they mm. keep in, in line with. Um, but yeah, the movie was the movie was great. So. We both we both loved it. Um, Shannon, 
like every other woman in the theater teared up every 10 minutes because it was just so moving to see a woman portrayed like Captain America or Batman or Wolverine or Superman has always been portrayed for so many years, which is... I cried. I welled up like once or twice and I definitely had tears escape my... uh... Yeah, I definitely cried as well. It's, It's so good to see a movie that is doing this much for women in the industry mm-hmm. and for women who are fans of the industry to feel like it's what they wanted. Um, yes, there could be some problems with how the movie is done. Yes, there could be some qualms with certain story points like Steve Trevor's death catalyzing Wonder Woman to becoming the God mode version of herself. Um, <laughs> Literal. Or, yeah, or, um, you know, the, the comments about Wonder Woman being a character based off of beauty rather than skill. Yes, I see those comments. Yes, they are sometimes valid. I did not feel like they were valid in this particular incarnation. Mm. However, they have been valid in the past, and that is totally true. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- this whole thing feels like 95% yeah. and the important, that's an a. and the 5% yeah. that's missing is not as important. There are details that, that are hit or miss, but they don't break the film. It's an A. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. perfect, but it's an A. You yeah. got an A on this film, and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Um, because a good version of this movie is what's important, as opposed to a movie that is a slave to the material and in bad. Yeah. yeah. So, kudos to the entire team of Wonder Woman for making a movie that is speaking to so many women across the nation, that is also incredibly successful right now in the mm-hmm. box office. And good. And just good. And making yeah. a good fucking All movie. The fact that it's that full package, it's like, thank you. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's, there is nothing that can be thrown against it on a big level. It definitely throws the gauntlet down to Marvel to be like, hey, yeah. guess what? Black Widow. And if Marvel screws yeah. that up, which they might, you, you, DC finally has a leg up. They have yeah. the first female superhero film, and it's good. Yeah, and it didn't rely on the Marvel template. Like, yeah. the, the more Marvel movies I see, like there is a template. This wasn't. This yeah. was earnest. There wasn't... It was funny, but it wasn't like it yeah. wasn't telling jokes. It wasn't witty in that way. It wasn't, it wasn't Iron banter. Man it wasn't banter. Yeah. That's it wasn't Iron Man funny. Yeah, um, and really, that's what most Marvel movies have been. Yeah, and that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good at first, but you Captain America should not be doing Iron Man banter. Yeah, there's humor. Like the the boat scene is oh. funny, and apparently that was that improv. Like I, I heard know. something to that effect, and I want to check because. Holy crap, that scene was good. Yeah. The bit that dragged on the most for me, and we talked a little bit about this, was like the 10 minutes of her being fish out of water in London. It's like, this is just a little bit too much of people telling her she's wrong, even though I know it's going to pay off with her actually being wrong about something else in the future. Okay, it's done. Yeah. It was 10 minutes of Encino Man, and it was done. And you're like, all right, cool. That was all I needed. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the combat. Kind of had a problem with her using her sword as much. Well, we talked about this. I mean, I, I feel like maybe I so. maybe it might have been me and Shannon. Um, I don't have a problem with Wonder Woman killing. I had a problem with her saying that she was fighting the men to get to free them from the yoke of Ares' aggression, and then murdering them. And it's not like she she wasn't murdering. She was killing them. She was killing people that she was saying were just under the influence of Ares. And I felt that that was disingenuous for her cause. So I actually felt I I actually highlighted that as something that worked really well for me because the whole rest of the movie she is using her sword but in non-lethal ways she's breaking guns uh she is parrying blows she's never slashing people open 
except after she has the fight with Steve and goes riding off to save the world and have her fall from grace before coming back up. I, I thought it really underpinned, oh, she's not doing this for the right reasons. She doesn't, she is setting herself up for a fall when she, um, she started using her sword lethally. And yes, it did kind of undermine, but it felt right to me that this was the moment where she betrayed her principles and she was off center as a result. Right, and that, that's fair. I I feel like I recalled her also using the sword in the, in the town sequence so, once or twice. Uh, so she did, and I was watching closely. Uh, I feel like the, she stabbed the, a dude. I don't think so. I I didn't notice it. If nothing else, and that's the thing. And, is, and, yeah. and in the like the actual melee combats where it was just hectic, it was there. It was shot in such a way that it looked like she was hitting but not in like she wasn't cutting whereas the moment that they started filming combat in the raid it was like oh no they shot it so that it looked lethal right so maybe i don't know that yeah. i missed the stabbing though it, I, it, I may have missed yeah one. i just felt like she she killed one or two dudes and it was like mm, that doesn't feel like you were doing the thing that you were supposed to do because also those dudes are gonna die yeah you know those guys are gonna get killed by the other soldiers right like there's there's no way those guys aren't getting shot by the mm -hmm. americans yeah, she, or the British, rather. Yeah. She she had no problem with other people using lethal force. Oh yeah, she didn't stop Steve. So bottom line, I think there's a couple things. If if I saw what I saw, those are pretty justifiable claims. Mm -hmm. But if you're correct that she didn't kill when I thought she did, I agree with you in that it's a it's a good uh, thematic change and it's mm -hmm. a good character decision. Like I like bottom line, these are just nitpicky things that yeah. don't detract from the film, mm -hmm. but. It's still good, and these are yeah. still valid points. Yeah, this is us going uh, film critic. Yeah, this is this is just picking a <laughs> picking a film pulling. critique actually. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> oh, the the Q U E there. <laughs> that makes it fancy. Mm. All right, so I have notes. Some of them are film oriented. Some of them are World War One oriented. Let's get to it. Also, uh, the line that I knew would stick with me as soon as they said it: uh, "You have always been my greatest joy." But today you are my greatest sorrow. It's like there were better lines throughout that movie, just like thing, things that just kind of sat with me more. But that one stuck. The mm -hmm. words. It's like yes. Mine was uh, I can save today, but you can save the future. Yeah, that was a great line. Yeah, that was good. Uh, Ares's plan. Also, Ares rather than Mars. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that consistency. Uh, so Ares's plan is actually pretty good. Yeah. The idea of giving high, highly advanced technology to particular people that will use it to uh, perpetuate a war or start a war. Uh, actually, pretty good plan. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about the times that plan has not worked. Or more precisely, the set of the scenario that it tries to create doesn't lead to a war. Uh, because we've certainly seen in the 20th century having... Uh, a major tech advantage does make you much more effective at war. Uh, yes. It can be a huge advantage. Uh, specifically, like, let's talk about the spring offensive, the Kaiserschlacht, uh, where the Germans were using stormtrooper tactics versus the 100 days uh, offensive that the Allies responded with where they had tanks. Guess which one of those won. Mm -hmm. uh, but even though there's always been that advantage, it doesn't mean that the advantage has always been used. Specifically, I want to talk a little bit about nukes. 
especially because the nuclear bomb is an Ares-like weapon of horror to varying degrees. Uh, first off, it wasn't used against an explicitly civilian t uh, target in Japan, uh, but let's gloss over that one quickly because all the other issues about that. Uh, second, during the years immediately after the war, even after the Soviet Union got the bomb, they had no way to deliver it to the American mainland. There were no air bases in range of the U.S., uh, and before the ICBM was perfect, uh, perfected, aircraft was the only good way to deliver a nuke. If the U.S. has started a war, the USSR could have annihilated Europe, sure, but the U.S. itself would have been untouched. And yet, the U.S. did not start a war. This situation lasted as late as 1962 and the Cuban Missile Crisis, because the USSR had no nuclear missiles that could reach the mainland U.S., you do hear about the uh, the missile gap, but that was proven, including to Kennedy after he took office, to be a sham. Uh, mm -hmm. There was no missile gap. Uh, that's actually the reason that there were nukes being moved into Cuba, because then you could actually reach the continental U.S. Up to that point, yeah, uh, Hawaii and Alaska would have been fucked, and Europe would have been fucked. But if the U.S. was willing to trade European lives for the end of the USSR... It could have, and it didn't. So, thank you, everybody, all the politicians in the uh, past hundred odd years who decided not to take us into nuclear war. Hooray for defeating Ares! Woo! So, yep. Uh, fun facts. Uh, I can't speak to how accurate the portrayal of Ludendorff was. Remember, the main—I guess the dragon is the term. The mid-boss of uh, Wonder Woman is Ludendorff who was an actual historical figure, one of the two, uh, essentially, dictator generals. Say, they inglorious bastarded this? Yes. That's funny. 100%. Like, that's the thing. And I can't speak to how accurate of a portrayal it was, but then again, uh, Ludendorff, after the war, was a proponent of the stabbed-in-the-back theory and supported Hitler. So, fuck him. Yeah. I don't care if it was accurate. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, this one's kind of interesting, one of the sub-battles of the German Kaiserschlag, the final spring offensive, uh, in 1918, was called Operation Mars. Mm. It was really abrupt and it completely failed for the Germans, but hey, Sounds awesome. about right. How crazy is it that the two best superhero movies of the year are from Fox and DC? That's the thing, is like, I'm, I was always not in the camp of shitting on the DC universe. They weren't they weren't good. Like, they're not anywhere near, like, Captain America Winter Soldier or Avengers. Logan's amazing. Uh, and Wonder Woman is great. And, yeah, obviously, to some people, it's like, the sky is falling down. But I just... I think there were some movies that just were not given enough credit. And I think Warner Brothers has had it coming for years. Because mm -hmm. if you look at all the Marvel movies that came out before Iron Man... Yeah. Fucking Blade, <laughs> um, the X Men movies that were Fantastic mm -hmm. Four, uh, the Nick Fury Agent of Shield with David Hasselhoff. That's a real movie that exists. When was that? That's like nineties. Mm, okay. There's just so many bad ones that Marvel doesn't get to say anything because they just because they hit the Robert Downey Jr. gold mine that made them look good, <laughs> which is like True. yeah, cool. Doesn't mean that like. All their movies are good because, like, Iron Man two and three are dumb. I'm like, not going to disagree with that. Like, I Iron enjoyed Man, three, but I, yeah, it's it enjoyable, dumb. but it's not as good as one. But yeah, like, 
there is a mystique around Marvel, <laughs> but uh, that was unintentional, but uh, I'll take credit for it. Uh, but there's a mystique around Marvel movies that kind of papers over the fact that they had a 10-year advantage and the consistency of their releases means that, I mean, they're doing two or three, two a year, it feels like. Yeah. And as a result, you can forget about one and remember the one that everybody else remembers. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, is like, they got the house of mouse behind them now. Yeah. You know, that's that's an advantage you, you can't really beat. And also, the money they made from Iron Man and then they made from Avengers. And it's it's just, it's, it's a cyclical thing. You know, mm-hmm. DC hasn't had their big hit. Hopefully this yeah. is it. And hopefully this allows them to make even better movies. Like, I'm excited for the Batgirl movie that Joss Whedon is apparently making. I'm excited for Aquaman. I'm excited for Justice League. I want to see where this goes. I kind of want to see that Batman movie, even though I'm sick of Batman. Um, shit, I want to know what the second Suicide Squad movie is going to be about. If they can make it better, then yeah, I'm so on board. Yeah, I want yeah. to. I want to see was what a pretty movie. Yeah, I want to see what their their Green Lantern movie is going to be like now. I want to see a Flash movie, a Cyborg movie. I'm I'm yeah. down for all the things that they that they look like they're gonna do, especially now that we've seen that they can do it well right so i'm willing to let them screw up a little bit more because they don't have the right team they were making these movies uh conjunctually so i'm gonna let justice league be eh if it means that they reinvent how they do aquaman Mm -hmm. or if it means they're like okay we need to reevaluate and get this woman on movies because she knows what the hell she's doing and she made us 200 million dollars you know continue and and more so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna let justice league be okay even bad just because i know that they were making it the same time they were making wonder woman and that doesn't necessarily mean that they had the right formula they were just going like hopefully these are good oh shit she's the horse to back let's back her and now they're gonna do that so that's the thing to keep in mind that's a good attitude to have you know that's the thing to keep in mind aquaman could have the same thing however now they're still shooting aquaman and they see how wonder woman's doing they could do some tonal reshoots we'll see what goes on speaking of logan Mm -hmm. uh i find it really interesting that I can view Logan and Wonder Woman as inverses of the same story path. Mm. Uh, So Logan is about starting in complete disillusionment and refusal of the hero's path and eventually coming to heroism and defending people, not because the world is good, but because people need defending and the things we believe in matter. Wonder Woman is about starting from a place of total innocence and eventually moving past disillusionment into defending the world to make the world safe for the good in us to flourish. I see those as two sort of mirrored curves that maybe like cross over at one point and uh, intersect back at a place of hopeful superheroism. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, uh, which, hooray, I'm glad that we got that. I'm glad we got the the two sides of the coin. Yeah, they didn't yeah. rub her nose in her, in her naivete, which I yeah. appreciated. They could have done that very poorly and they chose to do it as, you learned your lesson, now kick ass. Yeah. And I was like, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping Steve didn't become a dick and be like, you don't know shit, and like, yeah. made her feel yeah. bad, but he was just like, I can't sit here and make you feel bad, I have shit to do. And I was like, good for you, Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there, there were those ten minutes where it felt a little too much like they were telling her, no, you don't understand, you're stupid. Uh, yeah. And that was just ten minutes, and it was couched yeah. in a uh, fish out of water and see no man. And I and I and I read that as I'm not telling you what to do. This is just going to make our life easier. Mm-hmm. Like, and that to me yeah. wasn't bad because it was just Steve going like, I'm not trying to change you. I would just like you to 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 just listen to me for two seconds and trust me that I know what I'm talking about. 
so that we can get done what we need to get done. It's reminding the barbarian to eat with a fork when eating with the right. local noble. As, a, as opposed to being like, Diana, now that you're in my world, you have to not speak. He was just like, just wait here. Just wait here. Like, that's all he said was like, wait here, I'll be right back. Because all he wanted to do was grab his colonel and bring him out and give him the diary. So that's all he said. He's like, once I give him the diary, I will, I will do this. And all he was trying to do was expedite the situation. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be a lot harder if she was dressed like she was dressed. Yeah. So he's like, I need to get you some normal clothes so that nobody's looking at you crazy. Yeah. It, it helped that Diana was wrong. <laughs> right, yeah. And he's like, I need to get you some normal clothes. And I need you to wait here because you're going to cause a problem in Parliament if you walk in because there's, it's not a, there's no ladies here. And she was right. And, like, that was the thing was he didn't mm-hmm. ever tell her that she was wrong. Mm-hmm. He was just like, I need you to help me by doing yeah. these things. And that's kind of how I read that. And mm-hmm. to me, that was fine. She was just like, I don't understand why this helps. And he's like, I don't have time to explain to you my entire culture right mm-hmm. now. Like, when we're trying to do a thing. I do want to call out one thing, though. So, I read one of the major themes of the film as war is evil, fight to protect, or not at all. Uh, and as evidence sort of look at the actions of the amazons when the germans stormed the beach it's we feel i felt uncomfortable with how quickly they just immediately attacked and were willing to kill steve trevor afterwards to keep the the secret and i felt like that was intentionally being evoked by the filmmaker uh, rather than just okay we're defending our homes it's no kill them all we have to in order to protect our secret and that both sides sort of uh both cast in a negative light in that way and i felt that was fine uh for the message that the movie was trying to send i always kind of get that vibe from paradise island though hmm? i usually get the vibe that it's a hostile environment towards men and i agree uh but in this case it felt like it was just specifically it was part of the film and they were using an existing plot point to good effect to illustrate yeah they're both kind of not the best even though these are ostensibly the good guys so it makes it works so well that this is set in World War One, which we remember as the bloody war where neither side was really the good guys. I mean, I, I personally feel that the world would have been a lot worse off if Germany had uh, been the victor. But no question, it's not like clear good guys, bad guy narrative. Yeah, it was a uh, treaty war. Yeah. Uh, the issue that I have is that it, really didn't do that same like both sides have issues to the allies the extent of the allies darkness in this is the callousness of the leadership towards the average soldier that's Mm -hmm. it there was no mention like the idea of gas being used by the germans is this deep awful thing but remember the allies used gas as well Mm -hmm. regular gas not crazy dr poison gas but Mustard gas. Mustard gas. Uh, I think also chlorine. I think actually they, uh, the French were actually the first to deploy a chemical agent during the war. It was tear gas, so it was just kind of bad instead of like what we remember as a gas attack. Mur- murder gas. Yeah, but both sides were using murder gas at various points. Yeah. Uh, also, let's not forget, one of the major things that decided the war was the British blockade of Germany. And contrary to the rules of war, as I understand them, even food was being blocked, in mm. at least by and large. Uh, I don't think exclusively, but there were huge famine issues, both yeah. during and after the war, because the blockade was maintained. Yeah. Let's 
not pretend that the Allies had clean hands. Yeah, you, you blockade their, their economic means of survival, but you don't mm. blockade relief. Yep. And that that's makes you issue. that makes you a villain because every time relief is blockaded in any movie, you look like a dick. Yep. And that's just how it is. So if you're blockading relief, you're the bad guy because you're stopping civilians from living. Yep. So it bugged me that the Allies were ostensibly still part of this narrative of both sides need to fight for peace or not at all, but not really. So yeah. that bugged me. That could have uh, been done. Yeah. Yeah. And. I also want to close out on a, at least my stuff. Uh, I want to close out on a gen- general World War One note. Uh, World War One is the story of a continent losing its innocence and spending decades thereafter deciding what's worth keeping and what to break to make way for the new. In the same way, Diana starts innocent and she's glorying in combat. I want to read the first paragraph of Barbara Tuckman's excellent history on the outbreak of World War One, The Guns of August. Uh, which I highly, highly recommend. Uh, because And it is very easy to read. It's focused explicitly on the first few months of the war and a little bit leading up to it. Highly recommended. So this is actually the first paragraph. So gorgeous was the spectacle on the May morning of 1910 when nine kings rode in the funeral of Edward VII of England that the crowd waiting in hushed and black-clad awe could not keep back gasps of admiration. In scarlet and blue and green and purple, the sovereigns rode through the palace gates with plumed helmets, gold braid, crimson sashes, and jeweled orders flashing in the sun. After them came five heirs apparent, forty more imperial or royal highnesses, seven queens, four dowager and three reigneth, and a scattering of special ambassadors from uncrowned countries. Together, they represented seventy nations, the greatest assemblage of royalty and rank ever gathered in one place, and of its kind, the last. The muffled tongue of Big Ben told nine by the clock as the cortege left the palace, but on history's clock it was sunset, and the sun of the old world was setting in a dying blaze of splendor, never to be seen again. Yeah, you, you can't true. understand World War One without remembering that it was a an innocence of war and glory being dashed to pieces. Yeah. It was also the death of almost royalty. Yes. Yeah. You know, because then you start having America becoming a big player. That's democracy. Russia, you know, loses the czars and Mm -hmm. goes towards a more arguably scarier form of government before they get to what they have, which is a little bit better. You have the breakup of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. You right. have uh, all of those little states losing their uh, their royalty by and large, not all. Yeah. Uh, you Italy have... itself also kind of starts Italy. to lose its, its royal royalty. Mm-hmm. Um, East, uh, Eastern Europe yeah. begins to get mm-hmm. you know consumed by Russia. Well, uh, not so much that in this case. Uh, mm-hmm. Later on, yeah, uh, later World on. War Two, certain post World War Two, certainly, uh, but. Certainly you have that breakup of the Ottoman Empire as well. Uh, you have the decreased role of the royalty in uh, in England and Germany for that matter. Right. Remember, Germany entered with the Kaiser, literally uh, der- derived from the word Caesar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, highly recommend uh, Blueprint for Armageddon by Dan Carlin. Uh, really great World War One history and very long, but very easy to follow all right i think 
That's going to do it for us. We're getting ready to do another Superman episode. And then we're going to do Batman. And then we're going to do Aquaman. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, and you just can't hide it? But then we're going to talk about the Tencent Plague, the 1950s, the Comics Code. I'm going to see if I can get some more contextual evidence for that or, or just some more for us to get with the history. And then we're going to change ages. We're actually going to go to the Silver Age. We're going to see reboots of a lot of characters. And we're going to start getting into continuity and canon. It's going to be weird. Yeah. We're going to recognize these characters. So you're welcome for the 30 plus hours of Golden Age material that you do not have to read now. You could, in two days, bang out all this prior knowledge to the DC universe and then go, okay, now what do I do? And you go, oh, oh, oh that's what I know. So brush up on uh, your Flash TV show. Get ready, because he might be the first person we visit again when we kill the Golden Age and move forward. Because <laughs> we will only come back to the your Golden Age. choice of verbiage. Yeah. We're only going to come back once the JSA and the JLA meet. I think. Uh, again, go see Wonder Woman. We loved it. Uh, we hope you do too. We hope it means something to you. And we will see you next time. Have a good one. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. Stay in the know. Check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. While we weren't surprised to find Wonder Woman's development in the Golden Age had faltered on an obstacle that was Marsden's skill, we were glad to see that her film counterpart had at least transcended the most trivial of complications that would have tarnished her good name. Knowing that we would have to wait a few more years for the comic version of this young princess to come of age, we set our sights back to Metropolis to finish what we started with the Man of Steel.